Hello, and a warm welcome to my Asthma Spotlight podcast. I'm Dr. Mark Levy. I'm a family doctor with a special interest in asthma. My aim is to help people with asthma and also their caregivers to understand more about this disease and how to stay safe. I will share lots of information about asthma. However, I will not be able to answer any personal medical questions for which you should really consult your own doctor. The opinions I express in the Asthma Spotlight podcast are my own and they are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical, health or professional advice of any kind. Please do see the disclaimer details in the podcast description. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. This week, I'm continuing my discussion following the inquest report on the tragic potentially preventable asthma death of a 10-year-old boy. I described the inquest findings in podcast number 50 and then again in podcast 51 made recommendations for a major change in the primary care approach to management of asthma. So I'm now going to talk about some practical ways that general practices can reduce the suffering experienced by people with asthma and also reduce asthma attacks and deaths with the added benefit of reducing workload for doctors working in primary and secondary care. While this episode is intended primarily for primary care doctors and staff, people with asthma will also find this information useful. So before I continue, if you find these podcasts helpful, please click on the follow button so you'll get a reminder whenever a new episode is published. Okay, so as a reminder, when a coroner finds in an inquest that someone's death could have been prevented, and this of course applies to the United Kingdom, they issue a Regulation 28 report detailing the findings of the inquest with the aim of ensuring changes are made to prevent future deaths. Now these reports are published on the Chief Coroner's website, so they are in the public domain. In my experience, Regulation 28 reports on potentially preventable asthma deaths don't usually result in national action or recommendations for change that are implemented. The recent inquest findings in the Regulation 28 report on the boy I spoke about in Episode 50 
provided evidence that risk factors for future asthma death were not recognised and did not result in escalation of care by referral to a specialist. These risk factors included excess short-acting reliever and insufficient inhaled corticosteroid prescriptions. Now we've known about both of these risk factors for many years and these were again highlighted in the UK National Review of Asthma Deaths which was published in 2014 on World Asthma Day. So in episode 51, I suggested a seven-step approach, primarily for general practitioners working in primary care, which could be implemented in the first instance. Now, In essence, every single doctor or nurse with responsibility for caring for patients need to ensure that they're up to date with the current evidence for the management of asthma, which is the commonest chronic childhood disease and one of the commonest adult diseases. And then we need to recognise and acknowledge that an asthma attack is a clear signal that our treatment is not working. In effect, an asthma attack is a significant event that requires action to prevent another one that may be a lot worse and could in fact lead to hospital admission or death. So general practices need a system for assessing these significant events, that is, each and every acute asthma attack suffered by their patients. I have described the process in the seven-step plan in the web link in the description for this episode. And this involves extracting information from the medical record within a week of those who've had an attack. Of course, that means that those people who have had asthma attacks need to be identified and ideally be coded as such in the medical record. Then the information is discussed with an action plan in a practice meeting. And today I'm going to talk about some of the preventable factors that will be identified and suggest some ways that doctors can deal with these. I will continue in uh, the next few um, podcasts with more of these risk factors and suggestions for dealing with them. So some of the potentially modifiable factors which are identified in many people who've had attacks include firstly excess short-acting beta-2 agonist bronchodilators, the short-acting blue inhalers which are so-called SABAs. The second modifiable factor involves the preventer drugs also called controllers and the third relates to the ability of the person to use their inhaler device and fourth is when somebody keeps attending the general practice surgery or hospital with attacks. All of these preventable factors need to be dealt with ideally as soon as they are recognised and that means that an attempt needs to be made soon after someone has had an attack to identify these modifiable factors. So once these risk factors are identified, How can a general practice deal with these both as a matter of urgency for the person themselves and then by modifying practice policy? I'm going to discuss one of these today and we'll come back to others in future episodes. So I'm going to discuss in detail in this episode of the podcast the matter related to excess prescriptions for the short-acting beta agonist reliever bronchodilators. 
Now these are salbutamol or tibutaline or albuterol. And they're usually blue inhalers. So how many inhalers a year are too many or constitute excess prescriptions? Now from research, we know that three or more inhalers a year are linked with increased risk of asthma attacks and increased use of unscheduled care. That is, hospital attendance, emergency department attendance, or attending a general practice surgery with an acute asthma flare-up. So if someone is being prescribed more than three blue inhalers a year, a key question is whether these are being used for symptoms, and therefore, is the person's asthma out of control? So most asthma guidelines state that anyone using four or more puffs of this reliever inhaler a week has poorly controlled asthma, and that is current poorly controlled asthma. I've spoken in the past about asthma control being assessed in two domains, and that's current symptoms and also risk of future events, which includes attacks. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So even if someone doesn't have symptoms today, if they've had an attack in the last year, they have got poorly controlled asthma. Okay, so if someone's using four or more puffs of their reliever inhaler a week, that's equivalent to about one um, inhaler which contains 200 doses. So it follows that anyone using more than one short-acting reliever inhaler a year has poorly controlled asthma. So that person's asthma is out of control and they need to be seen, preferably in person, by someone trained in asthma care. In addition, it's now widely accepted on the basis of research that no one with asthma should be prescribed monotherapy with a blue Saba reliever without an inhaled corticosteroid inhaler. So having identified that someone is being prescribed excess reliever inhalers, that's more than three a year, what can be done for that person? Firstly, has the person been prescribed an inhaled corticosteroid preventer? And are sufficient inhalers being prescribed and collected, and is it being taken correctly? Remember that these short-acting reliever inhalers do not actually treat the underlying inflammation due to asthma. So a possible approach for this patient could be depending on their severity and availability of medication in the locality where you work, the inhaled corticosteroid may be delivered either regularly, 
or as needed when they have symptoms. According to the Global Initiative on Asthma, that's the international group that produces guidance documents for asthma based on evidence, um, the preferred option for delivering inhaled corticosteroid is in one of two ways, either as needed in the form of a two-in-one inhaler containing an inhaled corticosteroid and a quick-acting, long-acting bronchodilator called Fomotrol. The as-needed approach applies in people who have mild asthma or who are having very infrequent symptoms. For people with moderate or more severe asthma, um, the preferred option is to deliver the two-in-one inhaler regularly, once or twice a day, and to use the same inhaler for relief of symptoms. So the person will get a reliever, which is quick-acting, and at the same time they get an inhaled corticosteroid, which deals with the underlying inflammation due to asthma. The alternative, non-preferred approach, according to Gina, is to use an inhaled corticosteroid um, with a short-acting bronchodilator, that's the blue bronchodilator, when needed. And the risk here is that the person will only use the blue in inhaler and therefore they will not be taking an inhaled corticosteroid. So if you're sure that your patient will take both those inhalers, then this is an option. There's another way of delivering inhaled corticosteroid regularly, and that's in combination with a different kind of long-acting bronchodilator, which is not rapid-acting. And in these people, they will also need a blue reliever inhaler to relieve symptoms when they come. And as I said, um, this is the non-preferred approach by Gina because um, there is the risk, which is the case in many people, that they will not comply and take both medications. The use of the two-in-one inhaler with inhaled corticosteroid and a quick-acting, long-acting bronchodilator called Fomotrol is the so-called AIR therapy. It's anti-inflammatory reliever therapy, which was described in detail in my podcast interview number 34 with Professor Richard Beasley from New Zealand. So the anti-inflammatory reliever therapy can either be used as needed in people with mild asthma or regularly with the same inhaler um, for relief, um, which is called MART therapy, or maintenance and reliever therapy. The as-needed um, anti-inflammatory reliever therapy is now being used in 48 countries, including the United Kingdom, where it has now been included in local guidelines in a number of the integrated care boards in the United Kingdom. Um, including Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire, which are using a system very similar to that being used in New Zealand. The advantage of air therapy is obviously that we will reduce the number of people who are prescribed monotherapy with a short-acting bronchodilator blue inhaler, which will have advantages for both patients and also doctors who will find that their workload will probably reduce. Okay, so those are some of the ideas that could be helpful in improving an individual patient's asthma control. So what steps can the practice take to help deal with and eradicate the monotherapy use of these short-acting bronchodilators in the management of asthma?
In my view, the first step is to remove this drug from repeat prescriptions, um, which can be ordered by patients without a consultation. In that way, patients will not be able to order more than one or two inhalers a year without someone reviewing their asthma control at the time that they're requesting reliever medication. As I said, anyone with asthma needing four or more puffs of their reliever a week has poorly controlled asthma. And I know that colleagues have said removing the blue relievers from repeat prescriptions is dangerous because they're worried that the process would prevent someone from having emergency medication. Now, there's no reason why a practice couldn't issue one inhaler when somebody needs it in in an urgent situation and arrange an appointment or perhaps a face-to-face consultation there and then for the person to be assessed. So for those colleagues in primary care who are reluctant to remove short-acting beta agonists from repeat prescriptions is that there is very good evidence that people using excess short-acting bronchodilator inhalers, especially without a preventer, is actually dangerous. So this is a safety measure by removing those inhalers from repeat prescriptions. Um, And we know that excess use may result in an attack or death due to uncontrolled asthma. The issue, of course, being that asthma is an inflammatory disease and the short-acting beta agonist bronchodilators do not treat the inflammation due to asthma. So in my view, everyone with asthma should have reliever medication available, and if that reliever is one of the blue short-acting agonist bronchodilators, they should have one available for this purpose, but they should not be collecting these regularly from the practice without a consultation. So the first change for a practice is to remove the blue Saba reliever inhalers from repeat prescriptions, which could be uh, accessed without a consultation with a doctor or asthma-trained nurse or asthma-trained pharmacist. Now, the second change for a practice that I'd recommend is to ensure that staff are trained to be alerted to ensure that anyone requesting one of these short-acting relievers is spoken to or preferably seen face-to-face by a doctor or an asthma-trained nurse or pharmacist. The reason for this suggestion is because someone relieving a reliever inhaler may be having an asthma attack, and therefore, by assessing the person, finding out whether they have any features of an asthma flare-up of an attack, and importantly, whether they've been using their inhaler and whether it's been providing any relief or not. If they're not responding to the blue reliever, or they're needing to repeat its use within four hours, these are signals that this may be a severe attack, either in evolution or already happening, which requires urgent action. So in summary, in this podcast, I've started discussing systematic ways that general practices can change the way that asthma is managed in order to improve the lives of people with asthma and also to reduce future attacks, which will reduce general practice and hospital workload. I've shared some ideas for dealing with one of the modifiable risk factors, probably one of the most important risk factors, that is excess prescribing of short-acting beta agonist bronchodilator reliever inhalers, the ones that are usually blue. So first, regarding management of those who've had attacks, 
who have been prescribed three or more blue inhalers in the previous year, I've suggested two actions. The first is to establish whether the person is actually using excess reliever, i.e. more than four puffs a week. And next, I've suggested establishing whether the person has been prescribed an inhaled corticosteroid and that they're collecting sufficient prescriptions or that sufficient prescriptions are being issued according to the way that it was initially intended. There are a number of ways that inhaled corticosteroids can be prescribed and I discuss these. The main point being that according to international guidance, all people with asthma should be prescribed an inhaled corticosteroid either regularly or as needed in combination with a quick-acting, long-acting reliever called Formotrol. I then recommended two actions for the practice to implement throughout the practice. These are first, to remove the short-acting beta-agonist bronchodilators from repeat prescription without a consultation, and second, to ensure that anyone requesting a short-acting reliever is either spoken to or preferably seen as a matter of urgency by a doctor or an asthma-trained nurse or pharmacist. In future podcasts, I'll discuss ways of dealing practically with other potentially preventable or modifiable risk factors for poor asthma outcome. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful, and I hope you did, please click the like and the follow buttons and share this podcast. Please do send me any feedback or questions to my email address, asthmaspotlight at gmail.com, and I'll do my best to answer these in future episodes.